0: Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howell. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. I want to talk to you about something perhaps you've never heard to this magnitude. I want to talk about your imagination. I wished I had time. I want to do a Holy Ghost dance right now because now I understand. Have you ever been going alone in life and then you bump into understanding? Have you ever been through a a test or trial? Have you ever been in trouble? Have you ever been in a hard place? I mean, have you ever been in a confusing place and nothing made sense, but you kept walking and then one day you bump into understanding? And you get a revelation about everything you've been through was preparing you For this. And once you discover. What this is. You look back over all of what you've been through. And it looks like nothing. Because it prepared you. For what God is getting ready to do. Next. Jesus. Everything you've been through has been preordained by God to prepare you for what God is getting ready to do next. Some of you have felt alone because for what God is getting ready to do next, you have to be willing to stand by yourself. When God pours out a deluge of glory and anointing on your life, you have to be able to stand against your hecklers and your naysayers and your doubters and your haters. You have to be able to look them in the eye and not allow your heart to be contaminated. Oh, Jesus. See, this is the thing about your haters. Uh, they can hate you, but you can't hate them. Who, Jesus. See, they can, they can make a choice to not like you, to hate you, but if you're going to walk in the blessings of God, you can't take that liberty. Oh, my. That's the one of the challenges of being a pastor. You have to love those who are with you and love those who are trying to fake you out. I don't get a choice. I don't get a choice to treat, to treat tithers different than non-tithers. Preach, boy, preach. I have to love them all the same. I have to love the ones who are helping the vision to come to pass, and I have to love the ones who are trying to stop it. Pastoring is serious business. It might look good to you from the pulpit looking up, I mean from the pew looking up here at the pulpit. You might dream and fantasize about being up here, but being up here is not easy. Because once you accept this responsibility, once you accept this assignment, you don't get to choose who you love. You don't get to choose who you speak to. Ooh, Jesus. Jesus. Even though they may not speak to you. When you accept this assignment, you have to love everybody. Ooh, Jesus. If you're going to stand in this anointing, you've got to love your haters. When you accept this assignment, you have to come to church when you don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to preach to people who don't like you. Because with this assignment, you don't get a choice. So, so when you leave, I have to be patient and wait for you to return. And when you come back, not ask you where you've been. Just tell you that I love you and I got to mean it. And it's good to see you and I got to mean that. I don't have a choice. But today I want to talk real brief about imagination. Jesus. God. God. I am literally today living out what I imagined. Whew. Can I go ahead and be real? When I had holes in my shoes and holes in my knees, I know it's a style now. I wouldn't have had the issues to overcome if I'd have been born in this time. You know, in, in my day, if you wore the clothes you all wear today, uh, you, would, you would have had emotional issues. Because they'd have been talking about holes In your your knees and holes in your clothes. And holes in your shoes. And today, I don't understand them. I mean, they pay for holy clothes. Come, Come on now. I mean, buy a new pair of jeans and tear them some more. And I mean, pay good money for them. But, but. What I didn't understand as a little boy being raised, I won't go through that. Some of you can tell the others who don't know. You can tell it better than me. But growing up in such poverty, such challenging positions or conditions, I didn't understand until I bumped into understanding. I didn't understand sitting on the step in the shack that I was raised in as a five-year-old boy, as a six-year-old boy, seven-year-old boy, eight-year-old boy, nine-year-old boy, 10-year-old boy, 11 and 12-year-old boy. I didn't understand in the summertime of the spring sitting in the back door because the back door of the shack that I lived in was like the front door. We didn't go in and out of the front door. My dad and I, we went in and out of the shack that I was raised in, and the back door. But on a number of occasions, more numbers than than I'm able to, to calculate, that I would be sitting on the steps. There were three steps. Well, four. One, two, three steps. And the fourth step, you're in the house. You're in the kitchen. The back door was a kitchen. And my daddy would be gone sometimes several days, you know, drinking and carousing around. And I would be on the hear me good. I would be on the back step looking up to heaven at the stars. I didn't have a clue that God was talking to me like he talked to Abraham. And as I was sitting on those back steps, looking up toward heaven with no food in the refrigerator. And on many occasions, hungry. And I'm talking to God, and I am imagining, I am visualizing, and I am articulating, I'm speaking what I am, what I am imagining in my heart. And I said, and God be my witness, living in a shack with no running water ever, no electricity ever, raised on an outhouse. I'm looking up toward God saying, one day I'm going to be wealthy. And one day I'm going to wear nice clothes. And one day I'm going to live in a brick house. And one day, I won't be cutting wood anymore and gathering kindling. One day, I won't be digging worms out of the ground to sell at the bait store so I can get a little change so I can buy myself something to eat. Not only did I internalize it, I verbalized it. And I did it over and over and over again. I would go to some of my friends' houses, or I would walk through certain neighborhoods where people had brand new homes, and I said, one day, I'm gonna live like that. Yeah. I not only envisioned, but I verbalized it. Yeah. Jesus, And little did I know, as a little boy, in my condition, that God was training me on how to come out of a bad situation and how to birth a good situation. And today, somebody say today, I am literally living what I said as a little boy When I would go to school and the little girls did not want to sit by me, particularly in the spring or the summertime, because I smelled like Joe Bacon. Oh, if they could smell me now. (laughs) Now I'm going somewhere. I'm trying to get you to see. That your present condition, (laughs) are you hearing me, E church? That your present condition, I don't care how good it is or how bad it is, that it is subject to change. Hold on. And God's not going to come down and change it. Okay, they don't want to hear that. I said, God is not. Going to come down and change it. Changing your life, God has put that power into your hands. Religion taught us to wait. While everybody is raking in the goodies. You're waiting. You have waited so long that there are some people who got your stuff. Because you're waiting. You're waiting for something to happen that has already happened. Can, can you all handle this? Uh, let me see who I can use and they won't be mad at me. Uh, James, uh, come on. If you get mad, your wife will deal with you on my behalf. <laughs> Anderson, yeah. If you get upset, your wife too will deal with you on my behalf. She will straighten you out. <laughs> uh, uh, Brother Brown, why don't you come, you're too clean to be sitting on the sideline. Ow! <laughs> man, this brother, man, you need to be preaching, boy. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, c- come come to the front you and, and face the congregation. Let the e-church see you. Uh, hey, cameraman, put the camera on them shoes. Man. Ow! Black and white. So nice. Pray for these other two brothers. What I want to say to to these men using them as an illustration, I believe they love me enough where I can say what I want to say and them not get offended. Um, Would their wives stand? The wives here? Thank you, I won't be be long. Brother Anderson, does your wife come today? Children's church. She's in children's church. Yes, In children's church. Y'all got children? Yeah. Yeah. My hand is up. (laughs) Lord, help this brother. His wife's in children's church, thank you. Every parent who got children in children's church should work in children's church. Amen. Amen, something's wrong with you if you don't. I mean, you don't have to do it once a month or once a quarter. Somebody's watching yours. Amen. You want to sow too so you can continue to read. But at any rate, here's my point. When, when Charmaine married him, she didn't know it then. She understands now a little better because she's been around my teaching for a long time. The same with Mary and uh, the Andersons. You know, they, they're coming up the pipe. Bless you. But Mary... You didn't have a clue, and I know you all well enough. We've been together 30-something years, but I know from the beginning you didn't have a clue that when you married him that your life was going to be as it is, meaning some of the challenges, goods and all that, but some of the, the, the challenges, perhaps challenges you never verbalize to anybody, but you experienced that because you married him. Now, I surmise you probably married him like most women, you know, marry men when they haven't been taught and like most men marry a woman when they haven't been taught. I know you saw this tall, dark, dark, handsome. She's shaking her head so, so no, but she wasn't shaking it then. She's shaking it now. Athletic Houston Rockets NBA basketball player. And you said, Who is that good looking Ethiopian? <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't have a clue when you married him. You not only married his good looks and his height. You also married his mind. You married his ability to imagine. And out of his mind, out of his ability to imagine or not imagine, it produced the kind of life that you all, how long you been married? 35 years. It has produced a kind of life. Ma'am? 27. How many? 27. You was off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be praying for you. When you get home, boy, you're going to have some explaining to do. <laughs> but when you married him, not just you, I'm just using you as an example. We all can attest to that. That you didn't have a clue when you married him, you thought it was about the looks because he's handsome, been handsome ever since I've known him. But you didn't have a clue that after you get past the exterior, that your life was going to be produced not about his exterior, but what was on the inside of him. And what was on the inside of him produced the life for the James Blanks family. It's the same with the Browns. If, look at me men, if your wives would have married another man, she would have had a different life. Come on, say amen behind that mask. That's the truth. If your wife had not said yes to you and married another man, she would have been living a different life. That's not to say better or worse, just different. Her life, your wife, your wife, and your wife, and mine, and every other man in here who's married, their lives are directly connected to us as men and our ability to imagine. they're going to live a life predicated on our ability as men to think. Man, I'm preaching. So if you think small, you will produce a small life for your spouse. Preach, boy, preach. If your imagination is rich... Rich, say rich. rich. If your imagination is rich, eventually you will produce a prosperous life for your wife. And if it hasn't happened, say it out loud. Prosperity, Prosperity. riches is on the way. Give them a hand as they go back to their seat. Mm-hmm. Would you put up my first nugget, my second, third, and my fourth, final nugget, please? Will you all just give me another? I got nine minutes. I got 10 minutes. Nugget number one. Is it up there? Is it already up there? Ready? Read. Imagination can grow. It can increase. Imagination can be fed. And it can guide. Nugget number two. Say it again. Say it again. I'm not going to get finished, but I'm going to lay some on you in a moment, and you're going to understand that sometimes you have to leave education alone to get rich. Oh, Jesus, your antennas went up then. Nugget number two, read it again. Come on, say it again. Look at somebody and say it loud enough that they can hear it through your super duper mask. If you can what? If you can what? If you can what? If you can imagine it. If you can't imagine it, you can do it. God made you that way. Nugget number three. Come on, talk to me. Your abilities are according, brother, to your imagination. You're living small because your imagination is small. Then you get jealous and envious when you bump into somebody who's got a big imagination. As though what they have have stopped you from having. Goodness, Nugget number four. Say it again. Say it again. So after you single ladies and single men, you're in a good seat. You hear me, church? After you get over how pretty she is, it'll take you a couple of weeks. After you get over how handsome he is, it'll take you a few days. Ask them What are they imagining? When I marry you, what are you imagining that our lives are going to be like? I'm not marrying somebody to be poor. I can do that on my own. I'm not marrying nobody you know, to ride in his car. I can buy my own car. I, I, I need to know more than that. Because when I marry you, it is going to directly affect my life. Yes. You're either going to encourage me to fulfill my purpose or you're going to be a hindrance. And I can make it if I experience hindrances outside of my house. But when I got to fight my battles in my own house. How can I do all of what God has called me to do when I'm not sure that everybody in my house is in my corner? Preach, boy, preach. So that means your powers of imagination are unlimited. Oh my. Say this with me. I have full control over my imagination. Say it again. Now, let's, let's turn real quick to 1 first Chronicles. 1 first, first, first Chronicles, chapter number 28. And this perhaps will be as far as we'll get. And I know you want to hear a whole lot about when I said sometimes to really be successful, sometimes you have to disengage from traditional education. I, I, will, I will drop this nugget on you. Have you ever noticed most of the people who got rich had to drop out of school? Now, now, now hold, hold on. I'm not speaking against education. But your professor will only teach you how to get in the box that he or she is in. Preach boy. Let, let, let me go again. Your professor, no matter how smart they are in teaching the class, they will only teach you how to how to operate and function in the box that they're already in. Somebody got it already. So so education is good, Minister Clayton, but you have to understand that education only teaches you how to function in a certain, a certain environment. And sometimes the education that they give you to function in is not the environment that God called you to function in. Yeah. Preach, yeah. boy, preach. So you go to school and get an education and they teach you limitations. Limitations. That is the truth. They don't teach you imagination. They teach you limitations. The reason they teach you limitations is because they teach you facts. But there is something that God sanctioned that will always trump facts. Jesus. That's why you can get a man or a woman who go to school and graduate and they're full of facts Uh and can go out and be reasonably successful, Uh but then take a high school dropout with just a GED And get the people who are professional with facts to work for them. Now all you educated folks say amen. I see you getting rocks in your jaws. But with all of your education, what has it done? It put you in a box to work for somebody. Your education, Jesus preach, boy. Your education trained you to work for somebody. Your education trained you and conditioned you to function in the climate of somebody else's box. And they give you just enough money to keep coming back. There is a reason why most of the people who became financially really rich had to leave traditional education and tap into their imagination. Are you in First Chronicles? Uh, if you haven't found it by now, I don't... I don't think uh, you need to look with somebody. Look at verse number nine. Look at this. Oh, Jesus. As for you, my son, Solomon. Now, now this is David, King David. He's talking to his son. David's old now. And he's giving his young son uh, final instructions on what it's going to take not to be successful but to stay successful. He's, he's, he's old, he's he's getting ready to leave, and now he's he's enlightening his son about what made his daddy prosperous. And David knows. That if he doesn't give his mind to his son, though he can give him a kingdom, he'll lose it if he don't have the right mind. As for you, my son, know the God. Come on, church. He's saying to Solomon, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to know my God. And you're going to have to know him like me. See, that's, that's the challenge we have with our children. Sometimes we are, we are a sideswipe because in those years, those formative years, when we, we make them come to church, we think they're anchored in love God. And then when we get, get an age where they can choose to come or not come, they choose not to come. And it's not all their fault. some of the reasons they don't want to come is because they saw you act one way at church and another way away from church. Not just you, but church folk. Oh, Jesus. He says, know the God of your father and serve, here we go, and serve him With a, come on. No, he said, and serve God with a loyal imagination. Heart is imagination. He said, serve God, son, with a loyal imagination. Why? Because if you imagine something that's evil, you'll produce that. If you imagine something that's righteous, you'll produce that. So make sure you serve God with a loyal imagination. And understand all the intents and of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. A pastor said this the other day that I was listening to, um, uh, and I shared it with other pastors, leaders around the nation, and uh, uh, one particular pastor uh, responded back to me. He said, uh, thanks for sharing the information with me. It was so impactive. I'm sitting here in tears. I'll contact you later when I gather myself. and this pastor said he said it it's it's such pressure trying to be a pastor because you as members you're you're trying to make me believe something that I don't believe and then you get upset with me and you put pressure on me for not yielding to something that you want me to believe that is contrary to scripture he said as a pastor He said, I don't believe that you love God and don't come to church. He said, I don't believe it. He said, I don't believe you love God and don't give. He said, I don't believe it and you're trying to make me believe it. I don't believe you love God and you don't tithe. They're getting quiet on me now. I don't believe that you love God like you say you love God and you don't serve in the house of God. He said, and I don't believe it. And you get mad at me because I don't believe it. Oh, Jesus. And the pressures that are put on pastors because you're trying to force them to believe something that is contrary to scripture. For God so loved, come on now, what did he do? No, no, he gave his only, Because you cannot love and not give. You can't say you love this ministry and you don't support it. What you speak is an untruth. I could say it another way, but you get mad. Why? Because we support what we love. You can't say you love this ministry and you watch a handful of people do everything. And you don't do anything. Just walk out the door and say, I'll see you next service. While somebody is vacuuming. While somebody is is dealing with your children while somebody is working in the youth ministries or the other outreaches. Y'all getting quiet. Now don't get mad at me. I'm only repeating what this other pastor said. And I pondered his position and I came to the conclusion that you know he's right. Who Jesus. Then you get in the pastor's face and tell him how much you love him, how much you're with him, and they never see you. And then you want me to believe that. You want me to believe the lie and get mad if I don't act like I believe it. then because of the condition of your heart, you back up. And to justify your backing up, you say there's something wrong with me. To justify what's going on in your head. Oh, Jesus. This is good stuff. So David tells his son, he said, God knows your imagination, he knows the imagination of your heart, son. So serve God with a pure, with a pure imagination. Let, let me close with this. The functioning on the inside of your brain, that is where your imagination originates. Your imagination originates in thought. Thoughts. And thoughts, say thoughts, thoughts produce actions. You don't have to ever tell me what you're thinking. Just let me evaluate your actions and it will tell me what you're thinking. Oh Jesus. Is, is, this, is this good stuff? The functioning on the inside of your brain, that is where imagination originates, in thoughts. And what about thoughts? And thoughts produces... Let's close with this. Go to Genesis. I'm not even going to get close, but go to Genesis chapter 3. Imaginations originate in your thoughts, and thoughts produce what? And thoughts produce action. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll shut it down with this. Genesis chapter 3. You, you're there? Look, look at the verse number 6. Imagination is a creative force. Look at this. So when the woman saw that the tree was What? was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit, what else did she do? And she ate. She also gave to her husband with her and what did he do? And uh, and he ate. Notice, notice, church. Notice she first had eye contact. I said, notice she first had eye contact. Do you, you see that? She first had eye contact with it. With what? The fruit on the tree that God told them not to touch. Now. I believe this tree, you don't have to take it as gospel, but I believe the fruit on this tree was probably the best fruit in the garden. And I believe that this tree represented the tithe because you cannot exercise real love without having a choice. Okay, let me paint a better picture. If you're on an island and it's just you and a woman, and you tell her every day you're the only woman I love, how romantic you think that'll be to her? Okay. She getting the picture? So mother, I believe God said you can eat a, you can, you can do whatever you want to do with the 90%. Whatever you want to do, you can do whatever you want with the 90%. You can take a portion of the 90% and you can give me an offering if you want to. Just give as you purpose in your own heart. But but the tithe, you don't have a choice. That's mine. Don't touch it. Now, don't get mad at me. The the reason you don't tithe is because you don't believe it. I ought to get a little amen, a few tithers up in here. So the first thing Eve did, she, she gave it eye contact. Then look, look closely now. Once she gave it eye contact, minister gravity, she started imagining. Look, come on, you think of it. Look, look what she said. Look Look what she said. She saw that the tree was good for what? Come come on now. Look look at me. How does she know it was good fruit? She never tasted it. How could she say that, that that's good fruit? She never tasted it. She saw it with her eyes. Her imagination started working and she believed what her imagination told her. That's good fruit. Now, just to show you how deceiving this can be, when you watch most of your television programs, they're always showing you commercials, yes? And they'll show you commercials of hamburgers and buffalo wings, you know, hamburger with cheese on it and tomatoes, and lettuce, and and bacon. Yes, come on, girl. (laughs) Sometime with two patties, look like it's dripping. And you're sitting there in front of the TV looking at it, and that picture does what? It messes with your imagination. You start looking. I wasn't even hungry. How how long ago it was when I last ate, y'all? And your mouth starts solvating, looking at the picture. And the picture is telling you, if you get this, boy, it's going to be some good. What you didn't know, nine times out of ten, that picture you were looking at a vet cheeseburger or hamburger on television was plastic. That's right. That's why the cheese shines. First she saw it, and then she imagined herself taking a bite of it. And she already had determined how it would taste before she tasted it. Before she tasted it. The imagination is that strong. Eve said, it is pleasant to my eyes. And if it's pleasant to my eyes, I'm sure it will be pleasant to my taste. Man, she's too pretty to be a bad person. That's why we mess up so many times when we're choosing to mate is because we haven't been properly trained on what to really look for because looks will not keep you married. You better hear me good. I don't care how long your eyelashes get. Ain't nobody saying nothing. I don't care how handsome he is. You should have seen how good looking I was a few years ago with a head full of hair. I should have brought my picture. out. had a big old afro, had it going on. I don't know what happened to my hair. So what am I going to do with a woman if she's all enamored over all this hair I got on my head? The more hair I lose, the more I lose her. And that to be the case, I'm halfway home. Because the exterior, but we put so much premium on it, it really doesn't matter. You need a good woman over a pretty woman, you need a good man over a handsome man. You'll live a whole lot longer and a whole lot happier. With a good woman, with a good man, then you will all that exterior stuff. And today, say today, you don't have to be ugly. Yeah, I was bold enough to say it. Today, in 1953, you didn't have a whole lot to work with. You know, I mean, you just had a hot iron and curlers and a stove, but... But come on, today, today, you don't have to be ugly. I done lost my musician. You, you can be, but you don't have to be. Lord, get the church back to me. I done lost half the congregation. The people in the E-Church, if y'all can see the E-Church, they're rolling around on the floors. But you don't have to be ugly today. Men don't have to be ugly today. Jesus, I, I, need, to, I need to start over. Let's go back to the beginning. Then Eve, with her imagination, she believed that the fruit would be delicious. Th- that takes a lot of imagination. She, she literally believed something before she actually tasted it. Is, is this good? Her imagination was the key force that caused the situation to come into fruition. Did you understand what I said? Her imagination is what caused, was the key factor that caused this situation to come into fruition, where Satan ultimately had his way with her. And Satan had his way with her as a result of how she did not handle or control her imagination. But this is good. If I, eat the fr- if I eat this fruit, because Satan went on, once Satan starts, he doesn't stop. He went on with deception. He went further with her from just, uh, but if I eat this fruit, it'll taste good. He went on with her. And then she said, if I eat this fruit, I will be uh, smarter than my husband. Okay. She said, I'll be smarter than God. Well, you know, if she said God... Satan said, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, God knows that you'll be like God. And and Eve had already had had, um, occasions where she saw her husband, Adam, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Oh God. But God was walking with Adam, not Eve. So she obviously had to observe. Look look at them. And he thinks he's special. And he's gonna come back to me and tell me what God said. I know God. Now, 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 this is my translation. Because Satan had to find a way to get in. There's something she had to do to give Satan access. And I believe there were certain things that Eve was contemplating in her imagination, and Satan accommodated her. See, what you don't know, Eve, I, I see him too, I see your husband. And I see God, how they're walking in fellowship and laughing and having fun like you don't matter. And your husband, he's not better than you. You don't have to keep listening to him on what God said. Can't God talk to you? Listen, here, let let me share something with you. If you eat of this tree... You're going to be just like God, and you're going to know the difference between good and evil. And the Bible says, and she ate, and nothing happened. The reason nothing happened is because she was not the redeemer. Adam was her redeemer. We wouldn't ha- have the next verses in the Bible if Adam would have taken authority over what the devil was trying to do to his family. But for some reason, his wife offered him "Hey." Hey, honey, I've I've eaten of this tree. I know God told us don't do it, but I did it. Baby, I'm telling you, the Lord God has been holding out on us. This fruit is something else. You know why that fruit tastes different than the other fruit? Because stolen fruit always tastes different than fruit that you buy. You know, growing up in poverty like I did, uh, my, 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 my kryptonite was cookies. I loved cookies. And, 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 and if you, if, I know we may have, some of the kids may not be in children's church, but uh, there were occasions when I borrowed cookies when Mr. Spickermeyers wasn't looking. Y'all you know, understand? And man, I'd love, I'd come in the store, and I learned how to open the door real slow so it didn't ring that bell. And he didn't even know a mouse was in his store named Stevie. And I'd walk in his store. I knew where the creeks were, where the floor would make noise. I'd walk around, and I'd walk up close to the counter and look around. You know, this was before Cameras. And I'd unscrew the top and put two cookies in. Look around, I'd grab me another in, and screw it. And then I'd back out the store. If he would come out, I would just say, hey, Mr. Speaker Myers. But if he didn't say no, I would just back out. Man, I can't even tell you how I felt. I would get as far away from that store as I could, a few blocks. It was so suspenseful. Just, just, just walking away from the store, coming to the realization getting away with it man it was it was drama and man I find a place behind a tree or sit on some wall I can't even tell you and get my cookies out and look at them man, they had a look to them and you know you don't got them down you just... I mean it's suspenseful Because I stole them. Mm -hmm. And I got to make sure nobody walk up on me. Got to make sure the store owner don't walk up on me. And I got to make sure my daddy don't walk up on me. Those were the best tasting cookies. Because I borrowed them. What are you missing out on? By eating stolen cookies. For those of you who don't tithe because you don't believe in it, what are you missing out on? Because God said if you're him with the tithe, he would bless you. So what blessings are you forfeiting because you don't believe? That's don't fall out. You just don't believe it. Come on, let's not fall out. Nobody asks you, you know, if you tithe at Harvest Church for your seat assignment like they lie. But what are you forfeiting because you don't tithe? And because lightning don't strike you, you think you got away. Because God said, who said? God said, I will bless you when you tithe and give an offering. That's what he said. But you don't believe it. Well, I just don't know what the preacher's doing with the money. Well, go to a church where you believe the preacher will do right with the money. Because wherever you go, the tithe belongs in the storehouse. Ooh, Jesus so I believe God said the day you eat of this tree you shall what not next week not next year so if that's the truth when Adam and Eve ate of the tree did they die come on talk to me did they die did they die God said, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Did they die? Did they die? Yeah, they died. They died the day they ate. The Bible talks about three deaths, physical, spiritual, eternal. When they ate of the tree, they were instantly Disconnected from God. I wonder how many people who are watching today, who have been disconnected from God, but you still look like you're on a live branch. We have anybody here to grow flowers or little trees or something? You ever notice anybody anybody ever giving you a rose or a flower? Anybody, you ladies, got a rose? As much as it brings joy and comfort and warmth to your heart, that's a dead rose they gave you. I don't care if it was a dozen. It was a dozen dead things. Because today that it was cut. Now I know I didn't get to where all you wanted me to get. You wanted me to get to that educational piece. And I'm going to get there because you really do need to understand. Education is good, as I said, but education only teaches you how to operate in a box. And what God wants to do in your life is out of the box. Oh, Jesus. The key to being successful is don't do what everybody else is doing. I I use this philosophy. Find out what the masses are doing and do the opposite. Ten men real quick. Let me have ten men. Last illustration. Ten men. Real quick, 10 men. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just just use your imagination with me, and, and I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to uh, assume all of you are 25. All of you are 25 years old. Don't that sound good? Yeah? Yeah. 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 Like sound real good to you? Yeah. I know it sounds good to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, it sounds good to your wives too. Uh, all of you are 25. And let me ask you this question, you 25 year old men, you full of vigor and fervor. You, I mean, amen. You're, I mean, you strong, muscles popping, dice. I mean, you pushing two, 300 I mean, you, 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 you got it going on. How many of you at 25 years old, by the lifting of your hand, you want to be successful? Can I see your hand? You really want to be successful. You want to make something happen. So you're 25. You want to make something happen. Put your hands down. And everything is equal. Everything is equal with all 10 of you. With all 10 of you. Ooh, Jesus. Statistics. Statistics prove. You know how many of you are going to be successful. How do you 10? How many of you by the you're twenty five years old now? Yes? How, how many are gonna you you're you gonna be retired by the time you become sixty five or, or younger? Come on, you're just twenty five. I know I'm already I'm, I'm not talking about where you are. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> okay. By 65 or earlier, you're going to be retired. That means you're 25 years old, you're going to do something, you're going to make a mark, and by the time you're 65 or younger, you, you're, you're going to be rich, you're going to retire. Yeah? Is that a worthy goal? Come on, Is that a worthy goal, 25-year-old man? Okay. Statistics prove that by the time each of you becomes 65, only one of you, you can step, over, step away, only one of you are going to be rich. Only one. Two of you, you step away, are going to be somewhat financially okay where you can kind of see your way a little bit. Still got to be on the grind, but you can kind of see your way. One, two, three, four. five of you are going to be poor. How am I going to pick the five out of the group? Five of you are going to be poor. And one to two of you are going to to be, you're going to be on the ground where you're just barely making ends meet. What I want the church to see is that the majority of people are going to be poor. Most people are going to live, and at the point of death, they're going to be poor. That's most people. Yet they all started out the same with the aspirations that they were going to do something. And only one manifested what all of them said they was going to do. And two are still grinding on the job. The rest are pretty much poor. So really, out of the 10, only one really did it. So that means one of the wives is going to be married to this rich man. Two of the wives are going to be married to these guys that, you know, pretty much, you know, make out of business, you know, barely making ends beat, kind of, you know, going along. And the rest of the wives are going to suffer because they married to you. you you won't won't be upset with this, because looking sharp don't mean you got money. Especially with us. I can say that because I'm one of us. (laughs) Us being sharp don't mean nothing. Sometimes that's all we have is clothes. Mm -hmm. And a gold tooth. Now I'm not making fun. The, the reason is is because the way we've been conditioned to think. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We buy clothes before we invest. We buy jewelry and, and designer clothes before we put away something for savings for the future. We walk around sharp and don't even have life insurance. It just simply means when you die, your family's got to scrounge around to try to come up with enough money to bury you. But blessed be God when we're alive. Man, did we look good all the way to the grave. And we have to change that thinking if we're going to end up like that. I'm going to show you, with the help of God, how to tap into some untapped resources that are on the inside of you that will guarantee you that you can live like this. Before the next service, I just want you, standing at the altar, to make a decision in your mind to no longer get mad or jealous of of anybody who visibly is clear they got it going on. First, stop being jealous of people who are making it because to make it is hard work. Let me go over here. To make it is hard work. Stop being jealous of people who is clearly they got it going on. Stop being jealous, stop being envious, and stop lending your ear to people who talk about them. Because to be really successful is hard work. You have to be delivered from the pillow ministry. It's hard work. And you have to work when you don't feel like it. And you have to work when nobody shows up. And you have to work when it doesn't look like it's working. But sooner or later, and I'm going to show you how to tap into these truths. Because the truth is, your wife's life will never rise above what you are able to present. And I don't want my wife to have to get away from me to make it. Come on, ladies, don't leave me hanging. You may be seated. Were you blessed today at all? Did you get anything at all? Say this with me. Stand to your feet. I can see it. Come on, say it again. I can see it. Come on, musician, flow with me. I can see it. Say it again. All right, close your eyes. What do you see? Open your eyes. Say it. I can see it. I can see it. Say it again. I can see it. Say it again. Close your eyes. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see for your life? What do you see for your family? What do you see for the next year? What do you see for the next five years? What do you see for the next 10 years? What do you see? What do you see? Because if you don't see nothing, you won't have anything. What do you see? I see a military person here in the service. What do you see in the next year, two or three or f- four or five years? Do you see a higher ranking? Do you see promotion? What do you see? Say it again I can see it. I can see it. But what do you see? Do you see struggle? Do you see poverty? Do you see problems? Do you see shortage? Do you see hard times? What do you see? Do you see a little house or a big house? Do you see apartments that you own? Do you see a thriving business that is yours What do you see? Do you always see yourself buying other people's stuff and nobody buying yours? What do you see? Come on, let's stop playing. What do you see? Parents, fathers, mothers, What you see have a great impact on your children. What do you see? What do you see for Johnny? What do you see for your daughter, Susan? What do you see? Do you see your daughter married with a husband that love her and see her grandchildren? What do you see? What do you see? Do you see a closet full of clothes and no money in your pocket? So tired of black folk buying all these fine apparel, and buying jewelry, and don't even have $100 in the bank. walking around trying to look cute and ain't nothing in your head walking around trying to trick somebody trying to trap somebody to pay off your foolishness what do you see i don't mean to be offensive But when I look around this congregation and I ask you, what do you see? Some of us are running out of time. Let me hurry up and close this service so you all can go home and watch millionaires run up and down the court. I'll say it again. Let me hurry up and close this service so that you can go home and sit in your easy chair and watch millionaires run up and down the court or teach your children to go home and sit in front of a TV with some little, little thing in the hand and play video games for the next two, three, or four hours because they don't see nothing. What do you see? What do you see? Take your children to a store and buy them a $150 pair of tennis shoes and they don't even have a bank account. What do you see? What do you see? Because if you don't see straight, you'll struggle for the next five years. And you'll watch people pass you by who can see something, and you'll get mad at them because they could see something. I see Harvest Church thriving like never before. I see a fresh wind of the Spirit of God that will blow over this nation and will blow a harvest into this ministry like we've never seen. Because Jesus is coming. I'm still excited because of what I see. Not what I see, what I see. I still see when I drive up on the parking lot. I see every every stall full with a car. I talk to the parking lot on this property that very seldom get a car on it on Sunday morning. And I speak to it and tell that parking lot what I see. And then one of my sons, I call him my son because he's been around me since he was born. He told me last Sunday, he said, he said, it don't have nothing to do with your age, pastor. I still want to hear you. And he doesn't even know that lit a fire in me. That if just one person still want to hear me, then it's worth me showing up. God has not assigned poverty to your family. Poverty is hanging around your house. Lack is hanging around your house because of what you see. And if the Lord tarries and I am permitted to teach you these truths as we move on, I'm going to show you <laughs> to get to your wealthy place has nothing to do with your education. Most educated folk are living from paycheck to paycheck. They got a BMW. They live in the suburbs. And things are tight. Because that's how education teaches you to live. I want to show you, from the Word of God, how God will teach you to live. And then it's up to you whose report you're going to believe. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Quarrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.